Welcome to Crop Watch Podcast, a production of Nebraska Extension. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Weather Update and Outlook. I'm your host, Eric Hunt. Temperatures across the state, the Nebraska Mesoneg range from 88 around McCook to 63 just east of West Point. Temperatures across the state generally are in the 70s to low 80s. Uh, with cooler temperatures where we had significant precipitation this morning. Uh, there are a couple of areas of uh, storms in the state right now. Uh, Cherry County, so lots of precipitation up around Valentine. And we are starting to see th- some thunderstorm development across portions of south central and southwestern Nebraska. Um, again, some of those storms could be severe, and we'll kind of talk a little bit later about where we might see those storms go as we head into the evening. The most pressing concern in the next, uh, say, few days is a chance for severe thunderstorms and localized heavy rainfall, uh, particularly in parts of northeastern Nebraska. Uh, I say that because a lot of that area of the state picked up uh, one to one and a half inches of rain this morning. A lot of that was very needed and, you know, hopefully is recharging the soil moisture in that area. Uh, But that is also the area of the state where we could see an additional one to maybe even up towards the three inches of rain as we head into Saturday afternoon. And some of those, uh, rain amounts or rainfall rates could be on the higher side. Uh, So there could be some localized flash flooding. I don't anticipate the National Weather Service issuing a flash flood watch in that area, though. Again, as we're starting to see some thunderstorms develop across portions of south central and southwestern Nebraska, uh, the high-res models have actually been fairly bullish on the thunderstorm complex um, kind of getting uh, more organized in that area and moving toward the east-northeast into the Lincoln and Omaha metro areas in the early morning hours. Uh, So again, there's a good chance that a lot of the Highway 34 corridor uh, will get a good amount of rain overnight. Again, I don't think we're uh, certainly not looking at drought busting rains uh, um, for a lot of places, but it it could be, you know, very useful rain. Um, It will probably keep some people out of the field tomorrow, but uh, I would imagine a lot of people would be happy with the rain. As we get to the day tomorrow, the best chances for severe supercell-type thunderstorms are probably going to be in the northern part of the state. Uh, there is definitely a chance of severe weather as we head into uh, south-central and central Nebraska tomorrow. Uh, but again, it, it appears right now that the best chance of severe weather tomorrow will be further north. Uh, so Ainsworth, O'Neill, Valentine, uh, probably not going as far west as Shadron, but certainly North Central, Northeastern Nebraska tomorrow. Those are good chances. And I think we'll definitely see uh, some chances uh, of severe weather in Central and South Central Nebraska. And then as we head into overnight hours, there's going to be chances of uh, heavier thunderstorms in Eastern Nebraska as well. Saturday might be the most interesting day, though, as the upper level low moves into Eastern South Dakota. And there will be a cold front that will be extending along into the south of it. The questions right now would be, you know, kind of a how much convection is there overnight tomorrow or uh, Friday night in eastern Nebraska, western Iowa? And if that happens, like where do we have outflow boundaries? Do we have, you know, more of a stable lower, a stable lower atmosphere, those sort types of things? Uh, B, do we avoid getting dry slotted? Now, right now, it does not appear that we will have any significant amount of dry slotting uh, in the lower and mid levels of the atmosphere. Uh, on Saturday, and by dry slot, I mean 
uh, an area of dry air that moves into lower and, and mid, la- mid layers of the atmosphere. We saw that frequently this spring, which is why we had no pers- was one of the reasons we had no precipitation uh, in the month of April across portions of eastern Nebraska. Uh, the other factor that I think we have to watch is how far east does that cold front move on Saturday? Right now, the expectation is that cold front will probably be somewhere along Highway 81 as we head into Saturday afternoon. But there is a chance that it could accelerate east of the Missouri River uh, by the early portion of the afternoon. If that happens, I think that would more or less kind of cut off our chances of having any severe weather in the area. Uh, again, we really need the rain. Uh, but we don't need the severe weather, and we certainly don't need uh, 84,000 people trying to take shelter on Saturday afternoon during that football game. Uh, so my vote is for us to get some good rains overnight tonight and uh, maybe get another convection on Friday night and for Saturday to be mostly uh, a, a good day across the state. The upper-level low that's moving in South Dakota is, is more or less going to cut off and that's going to happen because the subtropical jet that's sort of helping eject it into this area is starting to weak or will be weakening as we head into the uh, latter portion of the weekend. And there's really going to be nothing to move this upper level low out of that area. For us, it's a good thing it's cutting off where it is. If it was cutting off over, say, uh, southeastern South Dakota, or northeastern Nebraska, we probably could expect uh, two or three more additional days of clouds and precipitation. Uh, as it is, I do believe there will be chances of precipitation uh, on Sunday, particularly across portions of northeastern Nebraska and getting into uh, west central Iowa. Uh, but I do think most of the state will probably be mostly dry on Sunday. Um, and again, I think this is uh, mostly going to be a non-event for the western third of the state uh, as we head into uh, tomorrow and into Saturday. So uh, no no worries about severe weather in Scotts Bluff and Sydney. Shattern, or certainly not Scotts Bluff and Sydney. Um, as we head into the latter part of next week, or the middle portion of next week, the the system that will finally kick that upper level out will move into this into the region by Wednesday, and it appears right now that it will be in, at least a, a catalyst for some additional shower thunderstorm development. Again, it's a little ways out. The storm prediction center is not issuing uh, anything in the way of guidance for severe weather in that time frame, which is good. Um, if, if anything else, it's just likely to maybe bring an additional quarter to half inch of rain, maybe three quarters of an inch of rain to portions of central and eastern Nebraska. So we head into next weekend. It looks like there's a stronger trough entering the western U.S. Uh, that'll keep that region cool and bring some chances of precipitation to uh, northern California, Pacific Northwest. And again, that's a portion of, of the uh, U.S. that really could use some rain. Um, and getting some rain now would be good just in case that area goes really bone dry later this year uh, or into this winter with El Nino. Uh, but for us, on the other side of that trough, we're going to be in warm southerly flow. So I anticipate temperatures uh, generally being above average next week. Uh, we might be right around seasonal norms Sunday, Monday with um, you know with the influence of that upper level low. Uh, but certainly most of the next week or latter half of next week, we'll be uh on the warm side, again, I don't think we're looking at record temperatures. We're certainly not looking at temperatures well in the 90s, uh, but temperatures in the low to mid 80s are definitely starting to get uh, above average uh, as we hit into the latter, latter portion of September. Uh, again, right now, next weekend looks to be dry for most of the state, certainly the eastern two-thirds of the state. Uh, but I think we need to be just kind of pay close eye on how quickly that trough moves into the eastern U.S. If it's a little bit more expedient than it's currently forecast, 
then there might be a new storm system that would be uh, potentially causing some concern uh, for us as we head into next week. And right now it looks like that's probably going to be into the week after next. So that kind of concludes the outlook. So let's kind of take a look at the update. Um, we'll start with precipitation in the drought monitor. So most of the state has been very dry for the last 30 days, save for parts of Panhandle and portions of southern Nebraska. The worst of that dryness has been focused over east central and northeastern Nebraska. And I took a look at Kokoraz this morning. And again, you know, between the 15th of August and 7 o'clock this morning, there's a large area from Holt County in kind of north central northeastern Nebraska down to York County. Uh, and actually kind of getting a little bit west even into Hall County. So from there and then kind of going east-northeast up into Blair. Uh, so, again, kind of anything that's sort of in that area. And if you um, take a look at the lines I drew, it sort of looks like a, a bear squatting to do something. Uh, so, again, anything that's kind of in that area. So, uh, Norfolk, Columbus, uh, David City, Blair, East of Grand, you know, Grand Island, York, Seward, those areas, generally speaking, within that area, uh, Within, within those areas have generally received less than inch precipitation in the last 30, 35 days prior to this morning. So those places did pick up some good moisture this morning, um, you know, after that uh, last Kokoraz update. So kind of talking about the drought monitors. So the U.S. drought monitors released this morning. And the good news such that there is was that uh, we didn't really see an increase in the percentage of the state that was in drought. So we have about 48% of the state that's in drought. Um, that number has been fairly consistent for the last couple of weeks. And that number is definitely a lot better than it was uh, four or five months ago when we had uh, almost 99% of the state in drought. But we did see expansion of exceptional drought into portions of York, Seward, Butler, and Polk counties. And we saw expansion of exceptional drought into Clay, Knuckles, Thayer, Fillmore, Adams, and Hall counties. Uh, again, the reasons for that are that we have uh, seen a combination of um, uh, short-term dryness with uh, warmer temperatures, uh, very depleted soil moisture, historical agricultural impacts, uh, very low ponds, low stream flow conditions. So just a lot of indicators uh, in the 6 to 20 more 24-month time frame and in the short term uh, that really show exceptional drought. Again, some of the indicators at the 60, maybe even 90-day time frames aren't as bad. Um, you know, some places in York and Polk counties did pick up a lot of rain for a little while in July, but uh, uh, that's kind of a distant memory now, and it doesn't really negate um, the impacts that we saw from the really horrific start to the season uh, and, a, and a really, really poor finish, uh, too, I might add. Outside the state, drought conditions continue to worsen in other parts of the Midwest. Exceptional drought now encompasses portions of eastern Iowa, southeastern Minnesota, and southwestern Wisconsin. And a significant portion of all three of those states are in severe drought or worse. Uh, again, there's just a very large portion of eastern Iowa that's an extreme exceptional drought. Uh, yields in the portion of Iowa probably are quite going to be quite down this year. Uh, we have seen some recent dryness in portions of uh, central Illinois. Things have also started drying out in parts of Indiana and Ohio. Um, so again, I, I think we've just, we've in, in general, not had a very good finish to the uh, season. Uh, the impact to corn and soybean is going to be very, you know, depending on, uh, how much rain places had earlier in the year, how much soil moisture places had, uh, and just to some degree, the just quality of your soils. So there are parts of Iowa and Illinois that certainly can withstand, 
uh, having things drier than, say, parts of Missouri or Kansas or maybe even parts of uh, southern Nebraska. But, um, you know, again, we've uh, not not had a particularly good finish to the season. And I'm expecting corn yields to be uh, certainly below August projections. And I'm I'm uh, suspicious that there's a reasonable chance that corn yields in the U.S. this year are going to come um, even under where we sat had in 2020, which was in the low 170s. Uh, more on uh, corn yields of the state here a little bit. In terms of soil moisture, um, so I, I took a look at the NLDAS soil moisture product, and I, I kind of thought that that was probably the best reflection of conditions across the state. Um, some of the other ones are probably just a little too aggressive with the root zone dryness, and I think the NASA GRACE model is probably a little too optimistic in parts of the state. Uh, so I kind of thought the uh, NLDAS product was kind of the showed things about right and it shows that most eastern half of the state is in the bottom 10 percentile or worse for this time of year uh the exception would be this far southeastern corner is better uh and again i i chose the NLDAS model because i think the other models were just a little too aggressive on the drying in the southeastern corner of the state it's been a little bit drier down there in the last couple of weeks uh but in general they've had a lot better conditions for most of the season they've had plenty of rain for most of the season uh, so their soil moisture profiles haven't been nearly as poor uh, as a lot of the rest of the state for rain-fed crops. Uh, other areas in the state that are doing fairly well, the western half, the sand hills, the panhandle, are generally around average or at the 70th percentile or above. Uh, but keep in mind, a percentile of root zone soil moisture does not necessarily equate to a fraction of available water for a meter or two meters or four feet of soil, whatever you, whatever depth you're interested in looking at. Uh, they probably likely don't compute or aren't equitable, equitable at all. Um, and these soil moisture model products are definitely not perfect. Uh, but I show them because I think they do a reasonably good job at depicting where soil moisture is anomalously deficient and where vegetation may be suffering as a result. And I think they can also show where things are starting to uh, improve, uh, which, again, you know, we always trying to look for areas where things are improving. Um, so kind of getting to vegetation. Veg dry continues to show the worst conditions being in south central and east central Nebraska. And things aren't too rosy in most of northeast Nebraska either. Some of this is a reflection of lower NDVI values due to crops maturing early, uh, but it's also a reflection of broader, broader stress in the ecosystems. Quick dry shows that the driest areas in the short term are between Grand Island and Seward and up into northeastern Nebraska. So again, the difference between quick dry and veg dry, quick dry, uh, they both use reflectance, so quick dry is much more weighted to uh, short-term dryness, so 30 to 60-day dryness, whereas veg dry is much more focused on um, dryness or drought in the longer term, so that six- to nine-month time frame. I think it's mostly a uh, nine-month time frame that, that veg dry is looking at. Uh, but both are you know, going to be sensitive to vegetation trends in the sense that it will reflect the, uh, affect the reflectance data. Uh, Vistry continues to pick pretty good conditions across the Panhandle, Western Sandhills, and Southwestern Quarter of Nebraska. Uh, and again, this has just been a truly rare season where Western Nebraska has plentiful moisture and healthy vegetation, and Eastern Nebraska mostly doesn't. In terms of ratings, corn came in at 57% of maturity, 16% ahead of schedule or average. And it comes with a rating of 50% good to excellent and 27% poor to very poor. Again, I think addition ratings by this point in the season are largely, if they're not meaningless, they're certainly not really all that useful in terms of um, showing how 
in terms of showing yield, they are a lot more useful at showing uh, yield projections in months of July and August. Soybean and small have had schedule as well. Um, 72% were dropping leaves uh, as of last weekend, and their ratings are kind of mediocre, not terrible. 47% good to excellent, 28% poor to very poor. Uh, sorghum is getting uh, along with maturity and comes in with uh, better condition ratings in corn and soybean. Pasture ratings continue to climb with only 32% listed as good to excellent uh, compared to 31% poor to very poor. Again, about a month ago, uh, those ratings were coming in in the low to mid 60s. So we've seen a substantial drop off uh, in pasture conditions across the state. Hopefully the rain in this weekend and early next week with you know, eventually cooler conditions coming in will start to improve those ratings uh, again. But things have definitely gone sideways for pastures in the last 30 days across the state. I want to finish up talking today uh, about the acceleration of this year's corn crop to maturity and what that might mean for yields. So let's we kind of just try to actually, uh, you know, project where we are, where we are at. So corn in Nebraska typically goes from being 50% dough to 50% uh, maturity in about six weeks, according to, um, you know, past crop uh, progress reports from uh, USDA NAS. Uh, and in those years where we've gone, where we've had a six-week time frame from dough to maturity, uh, you know, corn has typically been within a few points of trend, you know, minus three to plus three. 2015 being kind of an exception at six points above trend. In the more ideal growing seasons where we have plentiful mid and late summer precipitation and a lack of extreme heat, cooler nights, uh, you know, that uh, time from dough to maturity has been uh, seven weeks. And those years, years yields have been above trend and some years they've been way above trend so like 2009 for example is like 12 points uh above trend uh the last such year that we had um where we had seven weeks from dough to maturity was 2018 uh so again the season has a lot of adjectives that could describe it but uh ideal is certainly not one of them especially for um, a large portion of um eastern nebraska so since 2019 only 2012 2022 and this year had as accelerated rate from dough to maturity as this year. So this year we had five weeks from dough to maturity. That was the same as 2012 and the same as 2022. Uh, kind of going back a little bit further, uh, we saw conditions that were this quick in 2000, 2002, and 2003. So of those five years, and those are not years that uh, are good corn years by any stretch of imagination. So out of those five years, only one, 2003, had a statewide corn yield that was better than 10 points below trend. So based on this metric alone, again, this isn't everything, but it's definitely something. So based on this metric, this would basically say that there is roughly an 80% chance of corn being more than 10 points below trend um, in Nebraska this year. There is still some ch chance that there's higher rain-fed corn yields in southeastern Nebraska this year that could offset some struggles elsewhere. Um, but I think the real key is going to be what are irrigated corn yields like this year? I ha I have no evidence and I have really heard nothing from anybody in extension that would lead me to think that the irrigated corn in the state this year is really, really good. In other years where we had drought conditions like 2012, for example, some irrigated yields were quite good. Uh, and and that's probably the case last year with some in some areas. The difference between 2012, 2022, and this year, in 2012 and 2022, there was actually okay moisture for some places 
um, a lot of the state, or at least a lot of um, southeastern Nebraska, um, where we, you know, going into, uh, say, pollination time. So, again, you had a very, very poor finish, and it really, really affected rainfield corn yields in eastern Nebraska. But it didn't necessarily maybe have a detrimental effect on irrigated yields in, um, in say, Grand Island, York, uh, kind of getting down toward the Kansas border and going further north. Uh, this year, we had really, really just horrible conditions to start the uh, start the season. We had, you know, a record dry spring in some cases. Um, in some places, you know, really started getting good rain in July. And I think that staved off total catastrophe uh, on rain-fed crops. But I, I don't think that uh, – my, my guess is if you are west of Lincoln, between Grand Island, Lincoln, and heading up toward uh, Columbus, getting to northeastern Nebraska, your yields might not be – horrific horrific but my guess is they are probably at best at last year's total or slightly worse and there's a good chance they are 10 percent worse or maybe even 30 percent worse than they were a year ago uh some of you might be happy if you broke 100 bushel an acre this year i've heard stories of you know the clay and knuckles county of corn yields coming in at 20 25 bushels an acre or even worse uh and these were yields or fields uh that were producing 140 150 bushel acre corn uh, last year with, uh, you know, severe drought conditions. Uh, so, again, these are numbers you don't typically think of having in the 21st century with modern genetics. Again, just, this kind of shows just how uh, bad the season has been uh, across portions of the state, particularly uh, Highway 81 to Highway 281. Like that corridor has just really, really been rough this year. Um, there's not a lot of good rain-fed corn, and I, I question how good even the irrigated yields are in this area. Um, so just between the irrigated yields being down and the prospect of very low rain fed yields in the areas of the state that are currently in D4, um, it's very difficult for me to see that, uh, statewide corn yields this year at even at 175 bushels an acre. And I'm starting to wonder if they are even going to make 165 bushels an acre that we've had uh, last year. I don't think it's impossible, uh, that that's the case that the combines are consistently showing irrigated corn yields being about 10% below trend. Um, so again, I, time will tell, uh, but right now I am, uh, getting a little bit more pessimistic that we're even going to have, um, statewide corn yields in the one seventies. And I'm also kind of pessimistic that, uh, statewide or the U S corn yields will be, um, at 173 or higher. I think there is a, a slight chance they could come in uh, even down below 170 this year. Uh, it's not my official prediction, but just, uh, that is a possibility. Well, that about wraps up for this week. So again, that uh, concludes our weekly outlook and update for the week ending September 21st, 2023. Talk to you next week. 